This is Daniel Hill, and you are listening to Frequency. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Frequency.fm podcast. I'm Dan Thompson, and I'm with Joe Brookhouse. And Joe, I just watched a really annoying movie. Oh, oh, do tell. Do tell. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, I thought I'd watch a movie with the kids, with my wife and kids. My daughter is at a sleepover, so my boys are here with us. And I thought we'd watch an epic film. So we watched the Noah movie. Oh, that was the, uh, the Russell Crowe movie. Yeah, and Emma Watson, I think. Um, anyways, yeah, I was disappointed. I mean, big stuff happening, you know, rock monsters, all that stuff. You know, all that stuff that's in the Bible. <laughs> wait, 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 wait a second. You said rock monster. <laughs> wait, are, yeah. you're not talking about Goliath who got hit in the face with a rock, right? Honestly, it was more like um, the Ents in Lord of the Rings, but they're rocks. Uh, I, don't know, I was confused. Yeah, like I wa- always wondered how Noah built the ark so quickly and without anyone attacking him. Now I know why. Oh, I don't know how I feel about that. Now in the Bible, <laughs> you, you did have those giant people that are kind of unexplained that kind of yeah. pop in and out. Was that was that what they were trying to accomplish with that, or were they trying to do a little no. Lord of the Rings twist? I think it was Lord of the Rings all the way. It, that you're talking about the Nephtalim. Yes, I am the Neftala. This shows I'm a Bible yeah. scholar, obviously. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, in reality, I mean, I don't believe any of it, and it wasn't even near um, to to scripture. Um, I mean, there's a lot of drama. There's a lot of artistic license. I just thought it was poorly done. I mean, I like big epic movies, and I can take artistic liberty and and you know let that go. I just didn't think it was a good movie. My wife was like, well, that's two hours I'll never get back. And my boys are like, that was silly. Um, They weren't scared of anything. You know, like, it was just very melodramatic in a dramatic film. Oh, that's too bad. Anyways, that that was our evening. So, (laughs) Are are you going to write a review of it for the site, or is this going to be the review? Well, you know what? If people want a review, um, they have to let us know. And if they tell us, I'll do a review on the site. How's that? Fair enough. Fair enough. It, uh, we haven't done a movie review yet, but I'll, I'll be quite yeah. honest. Um, cynical person that I am, I don't have the patience to watch a low-quality, uh, poorly produced movie, which sadly is kind of the standard for most Christian movies. So rather than subject myself to something, uh, I just, I wuss out. No, sorry. I'd rather listen to a poorly produced album. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. Well, enough about me. What's going on in your life? Oh, man, really? Do you want to (laughs) know? Well, I think... Yeah, I think it's good to know what's going on in our lives. You know, we got to have some transparency here. Oh, yes. Okay, so um, without going into too much detail, um, my 20-year-old daughter um, was invited to find a new place to live on Friday. And uh, I think that's probably all I need to share about that. Um, there was some mm. disappointing behavior leading to an eviction. And uh, that's all we need uh, to talk about. Um, but... She's uh, she's going to make her way in the world, and God is with her, even if she's not aware of that. 
I see. Well, that's always tough. I mean, I can't imagine, you know, the decision-making process and all that. Uh, I guess I'm a little spoiled at this time. My my kids are are obedient and um, respectful and listening. So yeah, and how old's your um, oldest? She is 15. Okay, well, this is all going to change in a very short period of time for you. And and I'm excited for this journey of growth and, and experience that you will soon be walking. <laughs> yes, it, it, the valley is deep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for that, Joe. Yes, a little uplifting and, moment uh, here from Frequency. <laughs> there are all sorts of things we have to deal with in life, from anti-biblical movies to unfortunate events in our our own families um i mean i spent the last week which was quote unquote my holidays fixing our the van brakes in in our vehicle so you know we all have our struggles but on a good note i mean things are happening here we own our oh, house man. now we're really excited yeah. about that we've been renting the last the last two years so now we we own a piece of prince edward island and we're very excited about that Yeah, I mean, we've owned homes before in Ontario, but um, it's nice, you know, to know we've got some stability and some longevity and, you know, we feel called to this place and it's nice to to um, to really dig in and good for our kids too. And I've been on this journey to a certain extent with you because I, I remember before this job was ever uh, a, a possibility and the last couple of years have been quite a challenge. So I'm, I don't know, I'm, I'm very thankful. God's been very faithful to mm. you throughout and, and, uh, vice versa. I, I've, you've been, um, a good, uh, example to me of patient diso- <laughs> disobedience, <laughs> patient obedience. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's fine. That was not a Freudian slip. Uh, patient obedience. I've been very impressed with that. You lion sack. Uh, (laughs) Well, I mean, we sometimes felt like, you know, what are we doing or how in the world is this going to happen? So it's not that we did it, you know, with full confidence, um, other than the fact that we know that God is in control of everything. But yeah, it's, it's nice to be on this end of the journey and know that, um, you know, we can pay our bills and feed our family and, and be able to do ministry and, and have a little bit more balanced structure in our lives. So uh, for that, we are truly grateful. And we get to live in a beautiful land called Prince Edward Island. Well, it is beautiful like three months out of the year. And then the rest of the <laughs> yeah. time it's covered in snow. And uh, I, I can't deal with that. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It's amazing how opposite, well, we, we are opposite sides of the continent, but just how opposite our weather can be. It's in- incredible that we ever met up. I know. God God works in mysterious ways. It's interesting that you brought up the movie, Noah, because our guest, uh, Matt Michalotis, and I had a brief discussion that you'll actually hear in the interview today about that movie. And uh, I'm not going to tell you uh, any of the details behind that conversation. Uh, and, and uh, yeah, I'm just not going to say anything, but... Uh, I don't know where I'm going. It's 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 late here for me. It's almost nine, and it's almost one in the morning for you. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're saying it's late. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh boy. Well, at least I'm a nighthawk. I know. It's it, it it's a good thing. 
So um, anyway, Matt Michelotis is uh, just so so you know who he is, and so our guests have some idea. Uh, Matt is uh, an author. Uh, he actually happens to be a Northwest native. He uh, he lives in the same city where I work, which was quite a surprise to me because I stumbled across his this first published book, My Imaginary Jesus. Something that I laughed out loud as I read, uh, quite an uh, irreverent in a good way uh, book. And uh, he and I engaged almost immediately thereafter and uh, had coffee really at the front end of uh, frequency beginning. And we kept talking about, let's get together and, and do an interview. Let's, let's get you on the show. And it just, we just never got it together. And then I stumbled across the fact that he had a new book coming out the first time we saw him. And I'm mm-hmm. like, come on, you need to come on the show. Let's talk about this. So that's what we have. We've got uh, Matt on the show, probably the first of a two-part interview because we talked for an hour and a half. And uh, once I cull this down, I just don't want to subject you guys to a 50-minute interview that you might not listen to the whole thing. So we'll break it into two. Does that work for you? I I think that'll work. You're a very generous man, especially since I just keep <laughs> talking and talking and talking. Why don't we go right to the interview with Joe Brookhouse and Matt Michelados? Oh, you you pronounced it right. I'm so proud. <laughs> Hi, this is Joe Brookhouse, and welcome to The Frequency Interview. Today we're chatting with author Matt Michelados, a Northwest native, actually from Vancouver, Washington, where I work, whose book, the first time we saw him, was released just two days ago on June 17th. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Nice to be here. That's ah, good to have you, and uh, it's nice to be uh, there in Vancouver, Washington. It's a gorgeous day, man. It's a beautiful day. Yeah, it's really nice. And here we are in our garages and our basements. typical northwest people that's right that's right uh yeah if i was still living with my parents they'd be yelling at me to get outside yeah and would you be eating cheetos cheetos no we don't have any of that kind of we don't have a lot of processed food in the house unfortunately is that because you your standards are that high or is there a medical (laughs) reason no uh no not a i mean a medical reason other than yeah not wanting to die i guess from (laughs) chemicals being ingested into our bodies no 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 medical reason it's just you know with our kids it's much easier to not have things you don't want them to eat in the house than to try and control how much they eat of it absolutely so we'll get that stuff but usually when we're about to have a big barbecue or a party or something well see that's something that we didn't expect to get out of the interview so folks (laughs) if you're looking to buy a gift for matt please don't send processed foods well you can send them i still like them Well, just make sure they're not in a box your kids can get to then. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, let's uh, let's talk a bit about uh, the book that was just released. The first time we saw him, I've got, I, I like to admit when I haven't read the whole book. So I haven't read the whole book yet because I just got it a couple of days ago, but I'm about a third of the way through the book. Could you give us just a, a, a two-minute explanation of what the book is about and, and we'll go from there? Yeah. So the idea behind this book is I grew up in Christian culture hearing all the stories about Jesus, his life, his parables, to the place that when a pastor got up front and said, we're going to talk about uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan, I would immediately know, oh, well, that's what this means and here's what he's going to teach about and all those sorts of things. No emotional response, no engagement really. Yeah. And, and, And I thought, what if we could take those stories 
and tell them in a way that we had the emotional response of Jesus's first audience. So basically trying to take those stories and translate them into the 21st century or retell them really. So the the book is a selected bits of stories about Jesus, his parables, reimagining them as if those things had happened in the 21st century in the Pacific Northwest, in the United States, trying to bring those cultural values and ideas into the stories so that you don't have to go research to know what the story means. You experience it and have an emotional response to it. So it's a little bit of like uh, what it made me think of was the message, but just taken. So instead of just 20th century language, we're transporting them to, well, I guess it's 21st century now, to the 21st right. century in a way at least the way I read it or interpreted it was Jesus was talking to people within that culture in a manner that would resonate with that culture. You're effectively transporting those and trying to follow a similar approach. Right. I, for me, it's kind of like when someone tells you a joke and you don't understand the punchline. And so they explained you all the details, the politics, the sports, the whatever, so that you get to the place that you understand it. Well, you're still not going to laugh at the joke, right, even though you right. understand it now. And for me, a lot of Bible stories, that's what it was. Someone explained to me, here's why this would be shocking. Here's why this saying of Jesus would be upsetting. Uh, and here's why people would have responded that way. And then I intellectually understand it, but I didn't emotionally engage with it. And uh, yeah, I thought it would be interesting to see if we could change things up and have the emotional response. You know, people in scripture are afraid of Jesus, amazed by him, terrified. They try to murder him. And uh, a lot of times I have sort of a mild affection for him. Uh, right. And I thought, well, maybe maybe I'm not reacting correctly then. Uh, and I thought maybe we could experiment with that and see what would come of it. And the, your approach in writing it, I think, is interesting in that you have the story being told and then you interject sometimes there in the middle of the story to provide either uh, some personal thoughts on it or or even some context, this is why um, I approached it that way. Right. Partly, we debated, my agent and I, my wife and I, some friends who had read it early, debated what it would look like if I just did the stories retold and right. didn't do any commentary. But what I found, even when I um, I would do that, and I, I do a decent amount of speaking, if I, if I did that in a talk, the audience found it so distressing sometimes that they couldn't actually engage with the scripture afterwards. The story distracted them from the point instead of helping move them toward it. And so I thought, well, we need something to help people have a, a guide right. to say, here's why it was this way. Here's probably the emotional response you had, and that's good. And here's why it's good. And here's how the first century audience would have responded. Uh, and not every story needs that. I think there's a couple of times in the book where I just let the story stand with maybe a couple of sentences in editorial afterwards. But uh, a lot of them, yeah, even I felt uncomfortable with some of the stories. Um, so I needed places where I could say, here's why I wrote it this way. Here's why I felt uncomfortable. Here's why the first century people felt uncomfortable. I think maybe Jesus wants us to feel uncomfortable with this story. It's something you get quickly engaged with. Just from a personal perspective, I don't do a lot of reading at night because I fall asleep. So, 
um, I, not to, <laughs> unless I'm very engaged in what I'm reading. And I found when I started reading your book again only a couple of days ago that I was staying up past way past my bedtime and reading because your approach is intriguing and it's engaging. And then by when you just stop, actually, I found myself reading out loud almost as if it was a script from a play because um, I felt like that brought me even more present to what what was being shared with that. And that's just the way I responded. And uh, I also found myself um, with different responses to different stories. Uh, Prior to pressing record, I was mentioning as I was reading, retelling the um, the prodigal son, uh, I found myself effectively in tears just because of um, the, the thought of uh, Jesus wanting to be among people, whether they were sinners or your, even your story, where your your personal story of being at church and being kicked out of church with your friend, right? That made me mad, you yeah. know. Which I think was the intent, but I had to. Yeah. I told my wife, "We're watching, so you think you can dance?" I said, "Pause, okay. <laughs> Let me read you this because this makes me mad." But <laughs> it, that kind of response is what Jesus, I think, was trying to get, and why you, it's a great point to retell that story. Right. And and we've all heard that story. If you've grown up in the church or in Christian culture or even American culture, I think a lot of people have heard the story. And for many of us, we've been trained, what is the theological point of the story? And that's important. That's really important. But when Jesus first told the story, he was trying, try, trying, can you say that about Jesus? What Jesus was doing was he was creating a story that would, yeah, engage us emotionally and give us an experience that would lead us to this theological point he was making. He wasn't just doing theology, or he could have just said the sentence, lost people are important to me. That could have been his response. Why are you hanging out with sinners? Oh, lost people are important to me. But that's not what he did. And so, trying, yeah, trying to write the story in a way that I can see it in a new way way and have the experience that I get to the end and say, not only have I been lost, am I lost, but I should have deep compassion and love for those who are not with Jesus, and I should be hanging out with them. It's a really, it's a really different approach. I'm, I'm glad you had an emotional response to it. I, that's the whole point, uh, that we would, yeah, that we would experience that as we're hearing stories about Jesus. Well, I completely, completely relate to what you said at the very beginning, which is, if you've been a person who's been part of the church-going population since the time you were, you know, born, which is me, grew, grew up Catholic. I, I wouldn't say that I've been at church every Sunday because that would be a lie. But <laughs> I was in church so much, and you, oh, oh, we're going to talk about that. Well, I know what the big points are going to be, right. and it's it's very easy to shut yourself off from learning anything and. Occasionally, you get sucker punched by the pastor, and that's probably not a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's, you know, if I, if I can say so, uh, your book in, in many ways, because of the way you transport it forward, is a bit of a, a sucker punch. It's intended to get a visceral response from people. For sure. And I think part of, part of the book is meant to be partly a conversation. When you get to the end of a story, I think it's okay. So, for instance, let me just give a quick example. The, the lost sheep, okay? Yeah. You have 99 sheep that are fine and one wanders off. Then, and you go leave the 99 to get the one. That never made sense to me as a kid. Right. Never. And they'd explain it. Oh, well, you put the 99 in a safe place and go get the one. But still, I'd be like, it's one sheep. Let it go. You still have an A plus, 99%. Yes. 
And uh, I thought, how do I tell this story in a way that when you realize there's one lost sheep, you have the response that someone in the Middle East even today would have, like, oh, no, one's lost. Let's go get it. And so I retold the story as a field trip to the zoo where you have 100 kids with you and you sit down to lunch and you do the head count and realize one's missing. Uh, and when I tell this story publicly, I, I actually I told it a couple weeks ago at this college conference, and I got to the part where the teacher is counting, and he, he's counting over and over, 98, 99, 97, 98, 99. He's starting to get stressed out. He goes, oh, no, one's missing. And I say, what do you think he did? Well, he said 99 out of 100. That's pretty good. That's an A+. plus. He just leaves the other kid. He, he's fine. He right. just leaves him. And people in the audience literally were saying like, no, what? Oh, people, they were horrified. Yeah, of course. And, and that should be the response, right? And so I think there's that piece. How do we get that response? And then we take the story and we go, okay, is that accurate to what Jesus was saying? Does the metaphor of sheep matter? I think probably so. Is it okay to tell it this other way? Depending on your purposes, I think yes. Uh, but then you have this conversation about it. What was your response? Do you think that's the response Jesus intended? Uh, does that give, her, give us some sort of new insight into a story that we know well? Uh, and that's that's the conversation I'm interested in the book being a part of. Now, you just alluded to something that I was going to ask later, but I'm going to ask it now anyway. I know that when the message came out, there were some people who, but there are still people who, they're not comfortable with a paraphrase of the Bible, even if it helps people engage. So um, have you had any feedback or do you anticipate any feedback from people saying you can't do that? Well, yeah, I mean, probably. I, I think there'll be people who say that. That's reality. Yeah. I had some people approach me once at a thing I was speaking at who said, I, I don't like the way you're handling the word of God. And I asked them, what do you mean by that? And they said, well, you told this story that's not in Scripture. And I said, well, that's true. And they said, you never said open your Bible and read this section. And I said, well, that's true. I said, but we did, after that, I talked through the story of Scripture. And they said, but you never said turn to Luke 15 or whatever it right. was. And I said, I've read that so many times I have it memorized. I said it word for word. And we pulled out the Bible and walked through it. And they were like, well, you still should have said turn to Luke 15. I was like, okay, well, show me in the Bible where Jesus does that when he's quoting from the Old Testament. Does he say, turn to the second scroll of Isaiah on the third column, you know, or does he just read from it or, or mention it? But yeah, for sure, people, people want to protect the Bible, yeah. and that's a noble desire, and I'm good with that. I don't think it needs protecting, uh, but I understand the desire to protect it. So sure, I'm sure there'll be some people who push back. So far, most of the feedback has been that people really understand what the book is trying to do, and they're moved by it, and they're finding that it's helping them to engage better with Scripture. Now, as you were writing the book, you mentioned that you shared these stories in conferences. Was that kind of a trial ground for you before they made it into the book? Yeah. Now, I didn't, not every story in the book yeah. got a trial run, but there were a few that I would, I would think, well, this has the right effect for me, for me personally. Like if I was writing the book, this book is for myself. It would have been perfect. But I thought, okay, I'm a little off. I'm a little odd. I'm not the cultural mainstream. Let's try it out on some others yeah. and see what their response is. So 
yeah, I would do it at a conference and then kind of solicit feedback from people. How did that make you feel? And I would kind of, yeah, tweak things from there to get the uh, get the story just right to make sure the audience was experiencing what I was trying to help them experience from the story. Well, it's not unlike what a stand-up comedian would do, right? We're going to oh, exactly. try out the jokes, refine, refine, refine. And exactly. um, to me, that's a completely valid approach, especially as you were describing just a moment ago, where you would have people responding in a way where they felt like you were being irreverent, literally irreverent when it came to uh, describing the Bible. I think my response would have been, does your pastor ever tell stories to illustrate as he's <laughs> leading in? You know, but that would have been me being snarky. Well, I, I, I don't uh, filter myself well in that regard. Yeah, I think it's kind of like when the, uh, the Noah movie came out and there was a great deal of outrage over whether it was biblically accurate, uh, which I haven't even seen the Neither movie. Have I. So that, that may be fine. But I remember I just put on my Facebook, which is more accurate, the Noah movie or Veggie Tales? <laughs> and that created so much trauma for some people. And I think the fact is you're retelling Bible stories with animated vegetables. Like, do you expect it to be completely accurate? Like, well, no, they're trying to they're trying to bring something out for children. And that means sometimes when David is fighting Goliath, the yeah, the answer, God is bigger than a giant is not. That's not precisely what that right. story is about. Uh, th that doesn't mean it doesn't happen every single Sunday in our Sunday school classes. Uh, so all that to say, I, I don't, I obviously, I don't think I'm doing anything disrespectful with the scripture. I have high regard for scripture, for the stories in it. And I think hopefully what this book does is, yeah, it brings out the beauty and the emotion and the, the uh, yeah, the revolutionary nature of Jesus' teachings in a way that shakes us out of our complacency and makes it, I, I would hope the worst possible thing that would happen to someone as they read this book is they would go, is that really what this story is about? And they would go look in their Bibles. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's a pretty good worst case scenario. And Yeah, demonstrating some spiritual curiosity. Yeah, and best case scenario, I think, what it does and what I've heard from some people is that it reinvigorates their spiritual life and takes them to a place that they go, ah, these stories that I've become so familiar with that I've become complacent about, they have new life for me and I want to talk about them and think about them more. Well, I can see people engaging if it's somebody like you or I who have been in, involved in church from a very young age that's of the reinvigoration. Also, if I may say so, even from a, maybe a seeker perspective to say, listen, if the Bible to you feels foreign, read a couple of these stories, and then maybe they will lead you deeper uh, to explore some of these, and they'll become more familiar to you. Well, that's what I actually had a student, a college student, write me about a month ago, and they said that they were with a friend who wasn't a follower of Jesus, and, and uh, this college student told her friend the story of the uh, the prodigal son as it's told in my book yeah. to her friend and she said by the end they were both crying and her friend said I want to know more about this Jesus who is this right. and that's that's the hope right what it's not that she couldn't have told the original story uh, and had that same response the Holy Spirit does as he will but but what happened is she was able to tell it in a cultural framework 
where she didn't have to sit down and explain here's what it meant when he, when the prodigal son was eating among the pigs uh, or eating the pigs food and go into all the details the way the story is told she could go okay something he ate something disgusting or was thinking about it and then he thought what am i doing uh, right. so it didn't have to have all the cultural explanation and she could have the emotional response to the story of the father god who is waiting lovingly even for those who have wandered far after wronging him uh, so yeah that girl prayed to receive jesus so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna complain about that like that's no, no. that's really beautiful i love the fact that it uh, that you had somebody that retold that and that um it's making its way beyond just the book right and that's what parables were even designed to do right you tell this simple story someone hears it they go huh that's really interesting they think about it they wonder about it they try to figure it out then they tell their friends hey I saw this guy and he told this story listen to this and it kind of spreads uh, that that a good story in general does that and uh, yeah that's the hope that this yeah the book starts a conversation it's not it's not held between its covers if yeah. that makes sense Well, thanks, Joe, for another great interview, um, and I'm sure uh, we will hear more from him. Um, there will be a lot of uh, wise words episodes, I'm assuming, that will come out of uh, the interview content that we have with Matt. That was great. Yeah, I know that you know that we had about 20 minutes this time, and I still have another, oh, man, 30 minutes of interview to go through. So that may end up being another episode, or it may be five wise words episodes spread out between now and 2020. So either either way, you guys win. Well, honestly, I think the wise words idea was a good idea that you had. I mean, I'm reaping the benefits because I actually enjoy listening to them because a lot of times it's stuff that you've gone through and edited that I didn't get to listen to because you, you did the interviews. So I get to hear pieces of it fresh. So I actually enjoy listening to them and also because they're they're short. I'd love to hear some feedback from our listeners on um, what they enjoy about the podcast because we do different types of things from the music reviews, book reviews, uh, wise words, and the full-length podcast. So if you're out there and you want to let us know, send us a Twitter note or an email or Facebook or however you like to communicate and let us know how you like the podcast and what you like and dislike so that we can continue to, to serve you better. Yeah. And I do want to say without, without, um, going into too much detail that July by far is our best month ever in terms of podcast downloads. And I'm not going to tell you what that number is, but we also passed a milestone, uh, number for overall downloads. So thank mm -hmm. you for listening. Uh, especially those of you who've jumped on board recently. We love you. We appreciate you listening. And we certainly hope that we're providing something to you that is, um, relevant and interesting. Yeah, definitely. And uh, not only that, not just our podcast feed, but we are on social media. Uh, so feel free to connect with us. Uh, you know, Joe and I both are connected on Twitter, the same Twitter account, and uh, we will communicate. We enjoy hearing from people and not just highs and buys, but we love to banter about uh, people we've had on the podcast. Um, we'd love to, to hook up conversations with people that have been on the podcast and 
connect people with them so that you can learn more about them. Uh, because we don't just want to bring people on our podcast to, you know, generate traffic, although that's nice. Ultimately, it's about opening a greater conversation and and uh, this is an artist community. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, let's get people engaged. Let's learn from each other. There's a lot of experience out there, and I haven't met uh, one of our guests yet who wasn't very much interested in uh, imparting some of the wisdom that they have gained through life experience and share that with artists so they don't have to learn what it's like to put your hand on the hot stove, you know? Right. That's right. One other thing I wanted to throw out there about um, the interview with Matt, uh, it, even though it wasn't in this episode, one of the things that he and I talked about toward the tail end of our conversation was uh, he's uh, good friends with a guy named Gene Yang, who is a comic book artist and writer and also happens to be a Christian. And uh, Matt said that he uh, he may see about getting Gene to come on the show. And I would love to talk to a, a Christian artist who is entrenched in comic books. I, I'm a geek that way. I like oh, comics. Man. I think that would be a lot of fun. That'd be incredible. In fact, my kids would probably want to sit with me and, and have me uh, join in on that conversation. Yeah. My kids are just getting into comic books right now and like looking back at the old comic books. Oh, well, we're going to have to start talking about this. Uh, yeah. Offline, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to see if I can hook you up with, uh, some, some comics. So we'll, we'll talk oh, offline. Yeah. yeah. No, no lack of character or integrity here, folks. Just don't worry <laughs> there about you it. Go. Well, and speaking of character and integrity, um, before we go, I would like to say briefly, um, we didn't actually talk about this, Joe, but I would like to say blessings to Ben Abusada. Um, yes. We know him from the All About Worship podcast that's been going on for a number of years, and uh, you have a lot of history with that podcast. Yes. Um, sp- spent a lot of, um, well, numerous years conducting interviews and being involved in in writing and uh, producing those podcasts and the blog uh, and Ben has moved on to other things, um, as well as the founder, Wisdom Moon, uh, who I believe is moving to Nashville. So I just wanted to quickly say a, a blessing to him and his family, because that's a huge change and transition working in the music industry in Nashville, uh, and also to Ben Abusada, who's put in a lot of time there. So I just wanted to say a quick blessings to both of them from the Frequency podcast. Yeah, 100% on board. You know, all the best to Wisdom in his new opportunity with Centricity uh, in Nashville. And then, man, Ben is one of the reasons that I got into podcasts at all. I did not listen to podcasts until he engaged with me on Twitter uh, regarding All About Worship and started listening to that. And, man, it gave me a community as a worship leader, and I'm just completely blessed by that community of of people that that been in wisdom created so thanks guys really appreciate you yeah and that also goes for the extended family there and all the team members that we've been able to be a part of and continue to be a part of so uh yeah keep up the good work and uh we're we're very thankful that we've had the opportunity to learn and grow through that experience and uh we trust that the lord will continue to bless them Oh, and a quick shout out to my friend Chris Olson, 
<laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, who who um, happens to be the tallest person I think I've ever seen, at least in pictures. Oh, he is. He's a big man, and he plays drums and guitar, and he sings. And yeah, he's a good friend of the podcast. But anyway, we're going long. So, Chris, a final <laughs> shout out to you as we're we're signing off. Thank you for your friendship, buddy. And and uh, Dan, thank you for you. Thanks for being you. And you, audience, thanks for being you. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we start to hug each other uh, virtually, I, I think it's time to wrap this up. Well, thanks, Joe. This has been fun, and uh, I hope you have a good uh, rest of the week. And blessings to you all for listening, and take care. Thank you, sir. God bless. We'll talk to you again soon. <laughs> <laughs>